Hey, guess what? It's time for making kayfabe with your hosts, Bryce and Dylan. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another excellent episode of Making Kayfabe. It is a show where your boys, Bryce and Dylan, go back through rest in history and just mess with it because we can. We just mess around with it. Who's going to stop us? Nobody. Not Vince Russo, not Vince McMahon, not Eric Bischoff, none of those punks. Nobody can stop us. Ain't that the truth? No one stopped us yet. Yeah, exactly. And nobody will stop. Three seasons strong, baby. Can you believe that this is the finale of season three? What a fun time we've had. Yeah. I mean, it, it really has flown by this season. Like, I remember it was literally, well, literally 12 weeks ago we done uh, Luke Harper and, and you know, now, now we're here. It's, uh, it's crazy. Time flies when you're having fun. Unbelievable. And like I said, Bischoff and Russo just let it happen. They're fans of it. Yeah, they didn't even the try to stop us. And that's good, man, because we are unstoppable. And to prove just how unstoppable we are, we would urge you all to stick around after the rebooking for today's episode because we've got some really big news you want to stick around for. Let Ooh. me tell you. It, uh, I told you, dude, we're unstoppable. And whenever you hear that news, you're going to be like, that's it. There's no stopping him now. You know? <laughs> Just like a car falling off a, a ravine. You're like, well, nothing we can do. <laughs> That's a great way to hype our announcement. Like a fucking <laughs> car crash. <laughs> well, what else is unstoppable? You know, our podcast. Our, know. our podcast. Well, those are the two yeah. things, right? Car yeah. falling off a ravine or our podcast. Both are unstoppable in different ways. <laughs> Ours is unstoppable in a successful way. <laughs> let's, <laughs> let's say that. But yes, stick around because you're going to love it. Trust me. You're going to love it. So, Bryce, how are you doing today? I'm great. I'm, I'm really, really good. I'm, I'm excited for today's rebooking. What, what, what do you got in store for us? I have something big. Big, big, big. Monumentally big. Unstoppably big. That doesn't work. Unstoppably <laughs> um, <laughs> big. I don't know. Anyway, I got something big for you. You're going to love it. Uh, I think this is I, one of the, the biggest hanging threads in, in wrestling history, I think. Something that is infamous, I think, along with the invasion angle, where people now, with the benefit of hindsight, look back at it and go, we should have done something different. You know, mm-hmm. even though you and me quite enjoyed the invasion angle, in hindsight, we're like, yeah, you definitely could have jazzed this could, up a lot. Could have been better, yeah. Yeah. And this thing that I'm going to talk about in today's episode, this rebooking that I'm going to talk about in today's episode, is one of those events, something that happened in, in wrestling history, and it could have been great, could have been phenomenal, and instead it was just another case of somebody dropping the ball, you know, yeah. and that's what we do here on Making Cafe. We pick that ball up and we kick it straight into the net. That's a football thing, right? Football. <laughs> that's what they do in football, right? <laughs> Depends what team you want. They hit the club and the ball goes into the basket. And that's called a hole-in-one, yeah. Don't tell me I don't know nothing about sports, my friend. Yeah. I'm a sports wizard. I forgot what I was talking about. Oh, yeah. So today, what I'm trying to say to you, my friend Bryce, is today's rebooking is going to be all about Bret Hart in WCW. Really, really big. Because we all know about him in WWF. And when he went to WCW, it could have been great. It should have been great. But a lot of people dropped a lot of balls, you know. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, about, it's about damn time. Like, you've been hyping this episode to me for... I think since season two, like I think Bret Hart was initially going to be the finale of season two, and then like you came up with this awesome NWO story. So <laughs> you know, I know you've been sitting on this one for a while. So I'm very excited to hear this. I'm hyped. I'm hyped up. 
that's true. I have been talking about this one for a long time, and that was the problem I felt when I was writing them is that it's a really big rebooking. You know, there's a lot going on here. Uh-huh. So I really took my time with it, and I had to try and figure out what the best option was. So there was a lot of like, this is one of the the, the trickier rebookings I've had to do because there's a lot going on with it, but also I feel like the expectations from the fans are going to be pretty high. Yeah. Because, like I said, this was a colossal fuck up in real life. So I'm like, all right, I'm going to have to, you know, I got a lot of work to, to unfuck up that fuck up, you know? Yeah, yeah. I, I felt with the heat last week with the John Cena heel turn. That was a popular one as well. So, mm-hmm. you know, you, you do feel the pressure to get it right. And I've, I've got every faith you can get this one right. Who do you like better as a wrestler, John Cena or Bret Hart? Uh, you, don't, you don't sound at all interested. You're like, I don't give a shit about either of them. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, oh, don't make me I don't choose. Know, I didn't, I've not watched as many Bret Hart matches as I've seen Cena matches. I think that's the problem. Like, Bret Hart was just before my time. You know, he, he got injured basically, like, just before I started watching wrestling. So I've went back and watched some Bret Hart matches, but I've seen more Cena matches. So, like, I don't know. I, I don't want to lose any credibility here, but I might say John Cena because I've seen loads of great John Cena matches, whereas I've, I've seen, you know, Bret Hart, Shawn Michaels, Bret Hart, Austin, which are great matches, but not many as many as John Cena. So my answer would be John Cena. I think that's fair because a lot of people these days, I feel like, have a bit of a negative kind of opinion on Bret Hart. They see him as a bit of a curmudgeonly old man right now. Mm. Whenever you, really he's like one of the smartest people in the wrestling business. But also at the time, people would sometimes criticize him for his, you know, five moves to doom, as they would call it. You know, he, he had his signature moves and then, you know, mm. people felt he was a bit too like formulaic. But I'm like, that's the same stuff they said about John Cena. Yeah. And God dang it, if John Cena wasn't a great worker, Bret Hart's yeah. the same. Like, you like if you go back and watch him, you're like, he's actually incredible. He's so mm. much better than you think he is. I tell you what, man, if you want to see a really good match, check out Bret Hart versus Owen Hart from uh, oh. WrestleMania. I don't remember what WrestleMania it is, but oh goodness gracious! I have seen that one actually. That's very oh. good as well. Like just uh, a masterclass. Yeah, beautiful, beautiful. So the man knows how to work, and mm. you, you could say he kind of got a, a a rough end of the stick right at the end of his career. So we're gonna try to fix that tonight. No, rough end of a kick, I think you'll find. Oh, there it is. That was actually really, that was really good. Thank you. That's <laughs> really quite proud good. of it. <laughs> uh, see, this is the jokes on the fly. Boy, we are massive. We can't be stopped. Can't be stopped. Flying like off that crash. ravine. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Do you want to hear a little bit of history of Bret Hart? Before yeah, we get, I mean, yeah. I, I feel like we all know who Bret Hart is, but I'll give you a little bit of history anyway. Just yeah, to set the a scene. Up for those of you who don't know, yeah, exactly. So here's a history of Bret Hart. Here we go. I um, probably don't have to go too in depth to it, but I'll give a little detail for people who might not be familiar with Bret Hart. He was born in Calgary, Alberta, Canada, to a wrestling family, the Hart family. Who saw that one coming? Bret Hart rose to the ranks of his father's wrestling facility they have like a, a training facility and a, they had a well they called it the dungeon which was their kind of like training facility and then they also had stampede wrestling which was owned by Stu hart bret hart's father so already he's born straight into a wrestling family and he's got options he's got places to go which is pretty handy so in 1976 he debuted for stampede wrestling and he worked there for a long time until the company was bought by the wwf now known as the wwe they were bought out in 1984. So Brett was in Stampede for a little while. 
and went straight to the big leagues. So he went in teaming with Jim Neidhart as the Hart Foundation, along with Jimmy Hart as the the head of the stable, as it were. I always thought the Hart Foundation was called the Hart Foundation because of Bret Hart. Like that's, you know, they're, they're the mm. Hart family, therefore it's the Hart Foundation. No, it was called the Hart Foundation because of Jimmy Hart. Oh, really? Yeah, he's not even related to them. Huh. Oh. Look at him now. Not, nothing to do with the Hart Foundation. I yeah. find that really interesting. It's bizarre to me. Oh, well. You know, there's probably some real old school fans going, oh, duh, of course. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's not our fault that we were four whenever this happened. <laughs> like, always supposed to know. So, but yes, they formed the Hart Foundation. Jim, then Anvil Neidhart and Bret Hart, the Hart Foundation, they won the tag titles two different times, I believe. Just still pretty good. Up until about 1991, they were a team. And then... After 1991, Brett started to bounce out by himself as a singles wrestler. He won the Intercontinental Championship for Mr. Perfect at SummerSlam 1991. That's pretty good. Fun fact, Bryce. Here's a little game. Who did Bret Hart lose the Intercontinental Championship to? Uh, was it Shane Douglas? It wasn't. But you no. know this. You know this. Was it Shawn Michaels? No. Was it well, Viscera? You get one last guess because Viscera didn't count. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> this never counts. No. Give me a clue. You, uh, I don't know how to give a clue that won't give it away. <laughs> you know this, Probably. right? No, hold on. What, what year is this? Uh, 1991. Oh, fucking hell. Well, uh, I think he lost it. Yeah, late 1991, I think. No, come on, Bryce. You know this. He's got a hat. He's got a hat. Uh-huh. And a horse. And a horse. Uh-huh. Hey, boy, Bob Barton. Oh my god, Did <laughs> I tell you? Yeah. The Mounty. Oh, my favorite wrestler. Because <laughs> I was going to say Maple Syrup, and I'm like, ah, it gives it away. Oh, yeah, that would give it away, yeah. But... <laughs> <laughs> He's got a hat and a horse. He did, he had a hat and a horse. So did Cowboy Bob Orton. <laughs> yeah, did he win the Intercontinental Championship from Bret Hart? I don't think oh, so. No, I don't know. Oh, fucking. Again, there's probably somebody listening going, oh, I can't believe you didn't know that Cowboy <laughs> Bob Orton was Intercontinental Champion 18 times. I'm like, come on, man. These fucking kids. <laughs> we don't know everything. We're try- this is why I'm trying to explain to everybody all, of Bret Hart, uh, all about Bret Hart. So we'll, we'll get there. No need to send us angry letters. <laughs> we don't know anything <laughs> about wrestling. So uh, after the whole Mount shenanigans, Bret Hart later won the Intercontinental Championship back. This time, he beat Roddy Piper at WrestleMania 1992. Apparently, Brett pinning Piper at WrestleMania 1992 was the first time anybody had pinned Piper up to that point in the wild. WWF. How fucking wild is that? That's wild. Yeah. Uh, after that, Brett went on to lose uh, in the Cornell Championship to the British Bulldog at SummerSlam 1992. So already, like, the guy's, you know, he can perform. He can go. We can, we've already established this shit. But if that wasn't enough evidence for you... By the end of that year, by the end of 1992, he won the World Heavyweight Championship by beating Ric Flair. I mean, what else can we say about this? Like, that's pretty fucking high up, right? Mm. You know what I mean? It's pretty clear that he was one of the guys, one of the guys in WWF. You know, the excellence of execution. The best there is, the best there was, the best there ever will be. Mr. Good Brett. I made one of those catchphrases up. <laughs> You'll never guess which one. The excellence of execution, right? Bingo. 
Brett would go on to hold the WF title um, a total of five times. He's won the King of the Ring tournament twice in 1991 and 1993. And he co-won the 1994 Royal Rumble with Lex Luger with the old both feet touch the floor scenario. Mm. So Bret Hart's looking pretty good. He's had feuds with pretty much everybody. You know, the mighty Roddy Piper, Diesel, Shawn Michaels, Jerry Lawler, Yokozuna, Hulk Hogan, Steve Austin. You know, yeah, yeah. you can laugh at some of them, but really he's he's done a lot. He's, he's uh, Who's who? Yeah. Exactly, like you know, and all all across that card, you know what I mean. He's, uh, you know, really making a name for himself. So whenever he was in the Hart Foundation, he crossed paths with a young team called the Rockers. You might know as Marty Jannetty and some other guy. The other guy is Shawn Michaels. In case. Never heard of him. Well, I, I, you're about to hear of him now because he formed a bit of a rivalry with Bret Hart, both on camera and off camera they were firm rivals for a long time and uh, there was a lot of animosity between them so that would eventually lead us to 1997 bret hart is the heavyweight champion and he his contract is about to run out vince mcmahon gave him a very good contract and then around about 95 to 90 up to by that point in 1997 the wwf weren't making a whole lot of money like they are now so it turns out Vince couldn't pay Brett his giant contract that he signed with him, but it had a one year out. It was locked in for 20 years, but after the first year, both men could just part ways if they wanted to. And that part of the contract ended just around about SummerSlam in 1997. Bret Hart started talking to WCW. They offered him guaranteed money that they would pay him and could pay him much more than what Vince had offered him in the contract. So, they all decided, let's do that. Brett can go to WCW after his contract expires. The problem is, Bret Hart is the current heavyweight champion. He is scheduled to defend his belt at Survivor Series against Shawn Michaels, his most hated enemy in Montreal, his Bret Hart's hometown. Bret Hart didn't want his last match on WF television to be a loss to Shawn Michaels in his own home country for the heavyweight championship. <laughs> Which, you know, you, can, you, can, you know, that kind of makes sense. But at the same time, there's a lot of politicking and backstage talks from, all, you know, not just Shawn Michaels and the Click, but all sorts of people that made this whole scenario really complicated. So a lot of different scenarios were thrown out as to how we could get the belt off. Brett, it all stemmed from Vince McMahon letting Medusa leave the WWE, WWF mm. whenever she was the women's champion. She went to WCW, held up the women's championship on WCW television and threw it into a bin. And Vince was like dead set against that happening with his heavyweight championship, which mm. makes sense. I understand that, yeah. So there was a big dilemma. How do we solve this problem? Turns out you don't, re- <laughs> you don't really. I don't know if they did solve the problem. They had the match. And at some point during the Shawn Michaels-Bret Hart match, Vince McMahon and his stooges come out to ringside for some reason. There's a spot where Shawn Michaels is supposed to put the sharpshooter on Bret. Bret sells it for a bit and then reverses it, reverses out of it. And... Whenever Shawn Michaels goes to put the sharpshooter in, Earl Habner immediately rings the bell. The timekeeper and the announcers declare Shawn Michaels a winner. And Shawn Michaels and Earl Habner get the fuck out of there. (laughs) (laughs) They basically screwed Bret Hart. They declared Shawn Michaels a winner, gave him the championship. Live, on pay-per-view, thousands of people were watching it. Bret Hart has been screwed out of his last wrestling match. Now, when you think of it like this, what would you rather have? Losing the Shawn Michaels in your home country? <laughs> <laughs> or being made to look like a fucking idiot? 
in front of your home country. Mm, you know, it's a tough one. So after that, there was some animosity. Punches were thrown by Bret Hart. I think, to I think it was just one punch. Yeah, but apparently it was a pretty good one. And that sparked off a lot of a lot of business. Now, what should have happened was Bret Hart should have went to WCW with a head full of steam, like all the momentum behind him, right? Because of this, because of what happened. And Vince mm. McMahon would be looked at as, you know, this curmudgeonly like fool who, who screwed over like one of the hardest working members of his roster. Yeah. But instead, like the opposite happened. Vince McMahon got over like a fucking house on fire. What the fuck happened to Brett? Let me tell you what happened to Brett. Oh, my goodness. So let me explain this to you really quick. The pay-per-view, the WCW pay-per-view after the Survivor Series would have happened would be Starcade. And it was headlined by Hulk Hogan versus Sting for the Heavyweight Championship. Now, this has been a long time coming. The NWO have been ruling the roost of WCW. Sting has been the one guy opposed to them. This match has been built up for a long time, right? So they can't really mess with those plans. And Bret Hart has a no-compete clause that says he can't get into the ring until January. Fair mm. enough. So what, what do WCW do with Bret Hart now that they have him? Well, there is a match on the undercard of Starcade, which is Larry Zabisco versus Eric Bischoff. And the, <laughs> yes, and the winner gets to be in control of WCW. And the special enforcer slash referee for that match is Bret Hart. Mm. So, the, of course, none of that makes any sense. <laughs> Fucking hell. But we're not done yet. The main event happens. Hulk Hogan versus Sting. Now, what's supposed to happen? <laughs> <laughs> What's supposed to happen is the referee in this match is Nick Patrick, who is biased towards NWO and to Hulk Hogan. So the idea is Hulk Hogan gets staying, gets him in a pinning position. Nick Patrick makes a fast three count to give Hogan the win. Bret Hart comes out and says, there'll be no more screw jobs when I'm around, reverses the decision and is the referee for the rest of the match and can help, can see that Sting wins with no, you know, shenanigans. Hmm. that's you know it's not a great idea but okay what happens is nick patrick doesn't do a fast count <laughs> he, hmm. does a, he does a regular slow oh, count God. so uh, bret hart comes out and restarts the match for no reason <laughs> <laughs> he, he just looks like an idiot like can you imagine like a perfectly normal match goes on and then vince mcmahon comes out and goes gotta start this one again fella you're like why because there'll be no more shenanigans okay <laughs> There aren't, there haven't been, but oh man, I didn't know that. That's great, <laughs> right? Well, I mean, you know, that's that was the start of it. So, Bret Hart, after his no complete clause was up, Bret Hart goes straight into a feud with Ric Flair, who he beat for the heavyweight championship like six years before this. <laughs> like, this is really what you're gonna do with, with Bret Hart. They had him in the United States championship picture for a long time, I think he wanted like five or six times. Wow. Uh, get this one, man. You're going to like this. When he came in, obviously he was anti-NWO, but then he kind of aligned with the NWO, but then he wasn't. And then he <laughs> and then he formed NWO 2000. No. So you're like, what the... F- what? Uh, he eventually won the World Heavyweight Championship and then unfortunately had a match against Goldberg where Goldberg kicked him in the head and essentially it forced him to retire from injuries. 
So since then, Bret Hart has had a little bit of a chip on his shoulder as to how his career kind of played out. You know, he's yeah. been back. We've seen him a little bit on, on WWE TV. It was really nice, actually, to see Bret Hart coming back to WWE TV and see that, you know, there's water under the bridge, you know, bygones mm-hmm. be bygones. I thought that was nice. Um, but still, I feel like, you know, they kind of screwed over Bret in WCW. Because as I said, that recap of WCW... Pretty much what happened. They mm-hmm. introduced him shittily, and then he got kicked in the head. <laughs> <laughs> that kick in the head. Yeah. No, I, I don't. I, I haven't seen Brett in WCW. I, I did see Brett in WWE, and I don't rate. I don't rate Brett in WWE. Um, you know, after, after his retirement, because from what I remember, they were putting him in matches, but he had this lawsuit where he could not be attacked. He could not have a wrestling yeah. move done to him yes. so and i'm pretty sure they had him win like the u.s title off somebody like i think it was justin gabriel or somebody oh yeah, I no i remember <laughs> yeah yeah you don't remember who bret hart won the u.s championship from whenever he was like 60 you must who? know the mighty <laughs> it was the miz was actually the miz 60 year old bret hart who couldn't couldn't be touched couldn't couldn't you couldn't attack him at all beat the Miz. <laughs> of course of course you know that the biggest Miz fan that's my that's my point if Bret Hart can do it I can do it <laughs> yeah. right yeah but the, that, that that's it though I mean he, he couldn't take any bumps I'm pretty sure he had to be like stripped of that championship because he couldn't yeah. lose it because he couldn't have a wrestling move done to him he was in like Survivor Series matches but he couldn't again get eliminated so they disqualified him or something and then he had that piece of shit match against Vincent Mann at WrestleMania where that was just... Well, he couldn't do any moves, so of course. Yeah, it's just utter... uh, As much as I respect Bret Hart and as much as I'm sure he is one of the greatest of all time, like that, to me, as a fan at the time, was like, you know, why the fuck is this happening, you know? I mean, I'll grant you that it wasn't, you know, it wasn't up to his usual quality. Yeah, if he came back in my somebody, like I don't know, like I don't know who was around at the time. Maybe, maybe like um, uh, the the uh, fucking uh, British Bulldog Junior and Tyson Kidd. Like maybe if he mm. came back, Mai's them and that was a manager or an authority figure or something like that. Then yeah, cool. But shouldn't be getting in the ring. Absolutely no. should not be getting in the ring. No, 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 no. His his days in the ring are long gone. That's all. Thanks to Goldberg. <laughs> thanks Goldberg for getting rid of one of the absolute best. <laughs> well, well, at least we still have Goldberg in twenty twenty one. God dang it! There is there is no God. No. Anyway, want to hear a bit of a rebooking? Yeah, let's let's rebook Bret Hart and WCW. I'm interested to see where you take this. So here's my story for Bret Hart. We're going to go and rebook him at WCW because that makes the most sense. So Star Kid happens. Hogan versus Sting. Bret Hart is a special guest enforcer to make sure nothing goes wrong. There's a there's a ref bump. Brett's wearing a referee shirt underneath his hockey jersey or whatever the fuck he's wearing. So he steps in. It's a new official. Sting locks in. Scorpion deathlock. Hogan taps out. Brett calls it. Sting finally wins the championship. You know, beats the NWO. Big news. Hmm. That's the way it goes. Next night on Nitro, Hogan comes out and says, he didn't tap out at all. That's not fair. Brett cheated. Nobody, nobody saw him tap out. That didn't happen. Hogan wants a match with Bret Hart right now, brother. And then he wants a title match with Sting later on, brother. He deserves to be next in line. Bret Hart comes out to explain himself. And he says he's just not ready for a match. Not quite yet. He's still kind of mentally recovering from what happened in the other company. And he's going to make sure you have to, you have to, you can't, you know, you have to say the other company. Or up there, 
you know, mm-hmm. you have to allude to them. So he's not ready to get in the ring after what happened in the other company. And he's going to make sure the same thing doesn't happen in this company. Now that Larry Zabisco is in charge instead of Eric Bischoff, the NWO doesn't have as much sway as they used to. So what are you going to do about that, Hogan? Hogan says, I'll tell you what I'm going to do about that, brother. You know, I'm in the NWO. We're going to make your life miserable. That's what we've been doing so far. We're going to keep doing it. We're going to do it to everybody in WCW, and that includes you, Bret Hart. That's what you get when you mess with the boys. Bret Hart tells him, you work your, you know, you work away. I've spent the last couple of years just fighting after some other American prick who thought he was the best. He was making my life miserable, and I got through that just fine. But it led me to right here. So what do you think of that? So as we've already established, Bret wasn't really ready to return. That's really because of the no-compete clause. But in storyline, he just, you know, isn't feeling quite ready for it yet. So Hogan and the NWO take that as an opportunity to beat him up backstage in an episode of Nitro. Because they're bad guys. They're the villains. Hmm. So that puts him out of the picture for a little bit. Hogan uh, comes out the next night in Nitro. And he, of course, is cock-a-hoop about this. They've gotten Hmm. rid of Bret Hart already. And then Sting's going to be after that. It doesn't matter who's in charge. Because Hulk Hogan is contractually obligated his return match at the WCW Championship. And he's cashing it in, baby. He wants Sting at the next big show. So that makes sense, right? Yeah. In real life, (laughs) get this, my friend. WCW, always bringing the laughs. In real life, (laughs) at, at this point, and we're talking January, right? That title match was in December. Right. of 1997 we're currently in january 1998 in real life sting had already vacated the belt during this time period because of how stupid the finish was of that star kid uh, they, they vacated they, it they vacated it and then had another match in february between hogan and sting and oh, St- sting sting won that one and he beat hogan twice i guess <laughs> there you go what i liked about that was is that they did that after the controversy to that Starcade match. You know, mm. the one that Bret Hart was there to make sure there wasn't a controversy on. Yeah. It's like, shit doesn't... I don't know how they do it. <laughs> I don't know how they still do it, but it's like they're shooting own goals all the time. <laughs> Can you stop embarrassing yourself for five seconds? <laughs> Boing? <laughs> how long was that? How long was that? Uh, that's what it feels like. That's I think yeah. that's why I've started to really enjoy writing these WCW rebookings because once once you read what the real life was, you're like this is a piece of piss. <laughs> just do the opposite. Yeah. Yeah. Just don't <laughs> fucking ruin your your talent. You know. Yeah. Um. So the first pay per view of 1998 is sold out, which is a great name. In 1997, it was an NWO only event. Like they put it on because NWO were really big by that point. In 1998, I guess they weren't that big because it was a, a WCW slash NWO co-promoted event. None of this makes any sense. <laughs> like, what the fuck? Anyway, it doesn't matter that because it, 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 the whole pay-per-view feels like it's an NWO kind of vibe. It feels like an NWO kind of show. And Hogan's feeling really good about that because he thinks, well, you know, we're in NWO territory here. Uh, we've got rid of Bret Hart. This shit should be easy. Nothing's stopping me from ruling the roost again, you know? So the main event goes on. It's Hogan versus Sting. Hogan is kind of buying some time near the end of the match, waiting for some interference from his NWO brothers to help him. However, just right at the end of the match, suddenly there's like uh, you, the the Tron, the big Tron, you know, the big screen mm-hmm. starts to flicker, and you see some footage on it, 
and it distracts Hogan and Sting, and they look over, and who's there? Well, it's Bret Hart, and he's standing there with a baseball bat, but he's also standing there with the British Bulldog and Jim Neidhart, Ooh. and they've all got baseball bats. Now, in real life, all three of these guys did go to WCW around about the same time, mm-hmm. but you don't remember it, do you? Nope. Nobody remembers. I like, uh, not not really no. What did uh, they do with Bulldog and and Nightheart? Funny enough, I'll tell you what they did with, with Bulldog. At some event, they had like gimmicked a trap door for Sting, I think, on like part of the ramp. Oh. Somebody power slams uh, Bulldog onto that, and he fucks his back up. And he gets Jeez. totally addicted to painkillers. Oh so, man, that's Bret Hart and the British Bulldog. The WSW have run out of the business. Oh God, not a good start. So what we're going to do is give them something to do because mm. I didn't think it was that hard. <laughs> but apparently, <laughs> obviously, no, you did. So Bret Hart, the British Bulldog, Jim Neidhart, they're all standing backstage with baseball bats. And they're all looking pretty smug, pretty pleased with themselves. And they pull the camera back to reveal exactly whose locker room they're in. That's right. It's the NWO's locker room. And all of the NWO B team are lying out on the floor. Knocked out from baseball nice. bat shots. You know, you're talking Virgil, Buff Bagwell, Virgil again because he wanted to be in the camera <laughs> twice. <laughs> yeah, pay twice, Virgil. He's a smart dude. Can't knock the hustle. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. He tried. He did his best. So the these three guys, Bret Hart, Jim Neidhart, Bulldog, they leave the NWO locker room. They've done their, their work. Scott Hall and Kevin Nash start chasing them down the corridor to run them out of the building, but it's too late. They're already gone, you know? What this means, however, is that there's absolutely no backup for Hulk Hogan since the Ooh. B-team are all knocked out and Hall and Nash have ran away chasing Bret Hart, which t- means Sting can take advantage of a distracted Hulk Hogan to catch him and pin him for the victory. Sting is still your heavyweight champion. Hogan, not so happy. So the next night on Nitro, Bret Hart and his new... Team Canada. That's right. We're using the name here instead of the Landstorm thing because it makes more sense. Now, I know that British Bulldog isn't from Canada, but he's kind of like more Canadian than, you know, Mike Awesome. So just. Yeah, I was going to say, where's Mike Awesome coming to this? (laughs) Because Bulldog, I think, was married to Brett's sister. Yeah, he was part of the Hart family, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. So they're all. Exactly. So they're all kind of together. And you couldn't really call them the Hart Foundation because, you know, it's trademarked by the WWF or whatever. So yeah. let's, for the sake of simplicity, and because I couldn't think of a better name, <laughs> call them <laughs> Team Canada. If anybody else has a better name for them, leave in the comments. Love to hear it. Send us a Twitter. Anyway, the new Team Canada Send come us out. A Twitter. Huh? Send us a Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is, that not, is that not what they do? I don't know what they call it. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna send him a tw- I'm gonna send him a Twitter. All right. Anyway, so the new team Canada come out. Bret Hart comes out with a microphone. He says, whenever he came into WCW, he was fed up with the bullshit. You know, all the shenanigans that Hogan and the NWO and all those other people have got away with for the last few years. It's not the pro wrestling he's used to. He's not used to all this spray paint and cheap shots and chair shots and attacks in the back. All of this like bullshit. But he also realized he had to. Sometimes you have to fight fire with fire, right? Mm. NWO do sneak attacks and baseball bats. Then that's just what they did to level the playing field. You know, now that the NWO know what it's like on the other side, maybe they'll wise up and realize it's not a good way to do business. You know, of course, the NWO not happy about this, 
they want to get the revenge on Bret Hart and his new Team Canada. Bret says he's not afraid of Hogan and he'll fight him anytime, one-on-one. Now he's in the mood to fight. Let's make it at Super Brawl. Now Hogan's not, uh, he, now, suddenly, now that Hogan's on the back foot, he doesn't have the advantage. He's not so eager to jump straight into that match. So they try to, over the next couple of weeks, they try to think of a compromise. What about the NWO's best guys? Hogan, Nash, Hall, Randy Savage. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, brother. Against Team Canada. Oh, that's spooky ghost house. (laughs) He got himself a featured role in (laughs) Spider-Man. Featured role. He was Mary Jane. (laughs) I love the balls on that. To write that into your own song. Like, let, me, let me be specific. <laughs> I got a feature role in Spider-Man. Thank you very much. <laughs> so did so Virgil. Features. He was the dad guy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> twice. He got paid twice. Yes, on screen twice. You see that? Can Can't I knock the hustle. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Hogan, Nash, Hall, Randy Savage, oh yeah, against Team Canada, who, as we know, is Bret Hart. Jim Neidhart and British Bulldog. Uh-oh, sounds like you guys are dying to member. Oh, what a shame. Bret Hart says, that's fine. Don't worry about it. The three of us will take on the four of you. Doesn't matter, Hogan, because I'm going to beat you eventually. You can draw it all you want, but sooner or later, Bret is going to get what he wants. So now we have this, what seems like a handicap match. It's supposed to be, you know, a four-on-four match, but Team Canada are dying, you guy. What are they going to do? This is going to be in the Super Brawl, 1998. Uh, leading up to that event, the NWO keep taunting Team Canada, but how they have the numbers advantage, and they boy, do they ever have the numbers advantage? You know, if you took out all four of them, there would still be four NWO members to take their place. It's like the Hydra. Yeah. Hmm. Bret Hart not convinced. He's like, I don't care. The three of us are way better than you guys are. What do you think of that? Hogan seems to be taking Bret Hart very lightly, and Bret promises that that's going to come back and bite Hogan in the ass. This is exactly what Hulk Hogan did in 1991, 1992. He saw a guy like Bret Hart and took him lightly. And then Hogan went off, you know, to WCW. That's how Bret's framing it anyway, you know. Mm-hmm. So, Super Bowl happens. Your main event of the evening, we've got the four NWO members. But who's going to be the fourth man in Team Canada? Do you want to have a little guess? What year are we at? 1998? Yes. Uh, can't be Lance Storm then. Uh... I think who else was in the Mountie? It's the Mighty. Really? No, it's Chris Benoit. Ah. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, okay, no, I yeah. know, I know Chris Benoit might have killed a couple of people, <laughs> but for the, for the, we, we didn't know this back in 1998, and he was a great wrestler. Despite, yeah, all, the, despite all the shitty things he did in his real life, he was a good wrestler. So, yeah, absolute cunt, but yeah, it makes yeah. sense. It makes sense to have him in this faction because he was big around this time. Uh, he was like up and coming at the time, and he's also Canadian. So yeah, that makes Bingo. sense. So he fits in perfectly. There mm. you go. So what I would do is I would have you know Team Canada win this match as halfway through the match, Benoit comes out as a surprise guy, and somehow the NWO they try to cheat, they screw it up. Team Canada win on pay per view. What I would do is have a rematch the next day on Nitro where the NWO get their heat back. They win, and it, it keeps them looking half decent as it is, you know? Mm. So then after that match, they try to do a beatdown on Team Canada. Sting comes out to assist Team Canada because he still has a grudge against NWO. There's a thing going on with Hogan and Sting and Bret Hart, you know? Mm. So next week on Nitro... Brett tells Sting that he really appreciated that help and maybe they should work together to take down the NWO as a united front. 
you know? But also, at the end of it, when it's all said and done, Brett still wants a shot at Sting. You know, mano a mano, one-on-one, straight up, respectful match for the title. No shenanigans, no bullshit. Sting agrees we're working to destroy the NWO together, but he says to Brett that he kind of needs to work for the belt, you know? It took Sting years to get to this point. Brett's mm. only been in the company a couple of months. He needs to work to get to that point, too. Fair. Obviously, Brett's not happy with this because he's been putting in the work for, like, I don't know, 12 years in the other company. <laughs> and they're like, doesn't matter what happens in the other company. This is WCW. Mm. But, uh, yeah, you know, Brett's a little miffed about this. Keep that in mind. <laughs> so, next pay-per-view is called Uncensored. And in between Uncensored and the last pay-per-view, we're going to set some matches up. We're going to have the British Bulldog and Jim Neidhart fight Kevin Nash and Scott Hall for the Tag Team Championships. Cool. And uncensored. I think that's a good match. In real life, Benoit fought Raven and DDP in a triple threat for the US title. So fuck it. Let's put that in there too because I like Raven. Sounds good to me. I didn't even put Raven into the storyline, but hey, you know. Any it's Raven, dude. It's yeah. Raven. It's fucking Raven, you know. <laughs> um, so Hogan and Hart obviously are they're on a war path. There's only one conclusion. So we're going to have a one-on-one match. Bret Hart versus Hulk Hogan. And that match is going to be... It's another one of my patented, like, whoever wins this match is kind of the number one contender. <laughs> I've, done, I've, I've done that a couple of times where it's, like, not officially a number one contendership match, but we know that it is, you know? Mm. I don't know why I just don't say it, but I like the mystery. And then the main event is going to be Sting taking on Randy Savage. Oh, yeah. Spooky. It's spooky. Mm. Uh, this is a ploy by Hulk Hogan to keep the title within the NWO. So mm-hmm. think of it this way. If Hogan beats Bret Hart, Savage beats Sting, then Hogan is going to be next in line for Savage, NWO Brothers for life. Hogan gets the belt back. Smart. See this? Nice. Savvy motherfucker. So at Uncensored, Nightheart and Bulldog win their tag match, but they win by disqualification after the Outsiders cheat to win. So no title change. DDP pins Raven in the triple threat match to keep his United States Championship. So Benoit... You know, didn't win it, but he didn't lose either. Hmm. So we're like, okay, Team Calendar are still looking strong, even though they're still not the champions. Mm-hmm. Interesting. You know, you can you can claim rematches off both of those matches. That's fair enough. Hulk Hogan versus Bret Hart. And despite Hogan trying to cheat, Bret Hart takes advantage of a distracted referee. And he does a little bit of cheating on his own. But it's mm-hmm. okay. It's fine. It's justified. It's the kind of thing that Hogan was trying to do himself, right? Sometimes you got to fight fire or fire. Hmm. That's the way it is. In the main event, Hulk Hogan had intended to run in to help Randy Savage win in order for his plan to work. But since he was beaten by Bret Hart, now he just can't be bothered. <laughs> Savage is waiting for Hogan to interfere. He doesn't. Once again, Sting beats a member of the NWO. So now the cracks are really starting to show in the NWO. You know, Hogan and Savage both have been beaten by Sting and they're making, made to look silly by Bret Hart. So Savage and Hogan are almost come to blows over what happened. Savage is like, you didn't look out for me in my corner. You're only looking out for yourself. Hogan's like, nobody's taking me seriously. Nobody thinks I'm the leader anymore. It's not fair. You know, Savage has had enough. And he he kind of like walks away for the night. He's, you know, he's, he's pretty pissed. We don't know. Is he still in NWO? We don't know. Mm. Hogan himself is feeling really miserable about the bad run that the NWO opened on ever since Bret Hart came into the company. He's not happy about this. 
And then his mood gets even worse when on another episode of Nitro, the Outsiders lose their tag titles to Nightheart and Bulldog in a match where the NWO were banned from ringside. So now Hulk Hogan's really fucking pissed, you know? We're coming up to Spring Stampede, April 1998. So you can see the NWO, they're starting to crack and fracture. Different groups start to emerge. You've got the NWO, black and white, with Hulk Hogan controlling them. And you've got the NWO Wolfpack, which was Randy Savage and Kevin Nash. So you can see there's like a natural split here. Mm -hmm. Instead of just going, I don't like you, you know. (laughs) They're splitting up because, basically because of Bret Hart. So at Spring Stampede, we're going to have a tag team match, a triple threat tag team title match. So Jim, the Anvil Nightheart, and British Bulldog, the tag champions, against two guys, one team from the NWO Black and White, and one team from the NWO Wolfpack. So that seems like a pretty pretty sweet deal. Too sweet. That, too sweet. Uh, that way, both members of the NWO factions get a title shot. You know, that's fair. Uh, we're also going to set up Benoit getting another match with DDP for the title. Savage and Hogan are going to have a big one-on-one match. That's going to be pretty big. And then the main event is finally going to be Sting versus Bret Hart. Nice. So on the way to this match, Bret is bragging that his sharpshooter is the superior finishing move that's way better than the Scorpion Deathlock, which is just a cheap oh, imitation. Yeah. The same move, but Bret Hart's same like... Same move, yeah. Bret's like, I can do it better. This is just a cheap ripoff. In response, Sting comments on how quickly Bret has risen through the ranks of WCW. Like he said, Sting thinks he's a little, being a little bit too headstrong, a little bit too cocky. But, you know, beating Hulk Hogan is still... It's still kind of proof that he does deserve to be in the title picture. But mm. he doesn't agree with how Bret did it. You know, Bret should be wary about the screwjob finishes. He's been burned before. Yes, he has. So that's what happens when you play with fire. So at Spring Stampede, the tag champions retain over the two NWO groups. They're fighting with each other, so Team Canada can retain the belts. Benoit beats DDP for the U.S. title, so he's uh, the new champion. Savage beats Hulk Hogan in a battle of the NWO, and that's probably like the death knell for the, the NWO black and white. Because mm. like, what, is, what has Hogan got left now? Fucking Buff Bagwell or Virgil. <laughs> it's not a great group. Not desirable. It? No, Hulk Hogan, <laughs> Blackwell, and Virgil. Just renames them like Kevin Nash and Scott Hall just because. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, the WWE did it with fake Diesel and fake Razor Ramon. So. That is true. That's true. Virgil can, that be, went, that, that went Virgil well. can be fake Scott Hall. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that made me laugh. <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah, so that's kind of the end of the, the NWO Black and White, basically. They've gone about as far as they can go. The heel group is pretty much done. So really what's going to happen now is Hogan's going to take some time off. Mm. Really, you know, in storyline, it's because Randy Savage just beat him. But really, it's because he's off to film some kind of shitty film that I'm sure Randy Savage is going to make fun of in a rap song 20 years later. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't even Meanwhile, 20 years he's... later. It was like five Meanwhile. years later. <laughs> Meanwhile, he's going to get a featured role in Spider-Man, so... Featured role. Features. You don't understand, man. Okay, so now we've got the big boy, the main event, Bret Hart versus Sting for the WCW World Heavyweight Championship. It starts yes. off respectful, you know, a nice handshake. Just the two guys. Nobody is at ringside. None of the team counting the boys are right there. Sting's got nobody in his corner. Straight up, one-on-one match. Mano a mano. Near the end of the match, though, Bret Hart is starting to be... Starting to get a little bit frustrated that he can't put Sting away. 
So in his anger and his frustration, he throws Sting out of the ring. Now, here's twist time from underneath the ring. A masked man appears. He blows some white powder in Sting's face. Sting's got the black and white makeup, right? So he blows some white powder in Sting's face. And he rolls him back into the ring. So Brett locks a sharpshooter in. But Sting is clawing at his face, trying to wipe the powder away. And it looks as if he's tapping out. So because of that, the referee says, well, that's a tap out. Bret Hart is the winner. Oh, dude, that's fucking genius with the power. Thank you. Right, and Sting, and Sting's white, white face paint. Good God. Yes. Well done. Such, <laughs> right? Such a good finish. WCW? Yeah. Why did you never do this? That's genius. You, you've peaked. <laughs> well, the Stevie Richards would argue with that. The next <laughs> night on Nitro, your new World Heavyweight Champion, Bret Hart, comes out. He's wearing the belt proudly. He's flanked by Neidhart and Bulldog, the tag team champions, and Chris Benoit, the United States champion. They're all wearing gold, and they're all feeling great. So Bret tells the world exactly what's on his mind, and it's a lot. He spent God knows how many years sitting back and watching clients like Savage and Hogan and Sting put their own position on the ladder of success and then defend it with their own lives. They're exactly where they want to be and nobody else can get there, right? But they've been on top for far too long. They've been coasting while everybody else is working their ass off, including Bret Hart. Look at what he did in the last couple of years. And look at what Savage and Hogan have done. They've been coasting for too long. It's ridiculous. Look at what he put in. Look at what Bret Hart went through in the other company. He literally gave them his life, his blood, his soul, and they screwed him over. And he doesn't hate them for it. If anything, it opened his eyes. Look at Savage and Hogan, right? They're still on top after all these years because they took what they wanted from themselves. They also, in the other company, saw that the youth of today was rising up, that youth being Bret Hart, and they fucked off. Ran away Mm. somewhere. And they ruled WCW while Bret Hart wasn't there. You see that? Now that Mm. Bret is here. Now Bret Hart is here, and he is taking a page out of their book. Because while he was over in the WWF, he was getting embarrassed left and right by a guy like Shawn Michaels, who was bending the rules. Mm. And and look what it got him. You know, look what it got Bret. All it got him was an embarrassment in his home country. So he knew after that point that any further um, you know, political bullshit he could do backstage in the other company would be a waste of time because they've already won. Shawn Michaels and his group, they've already won. Mm-hmm. You know, and the old guard, they've already won. Once Sting was on the cusp of winning the belt away from Hogan, Bret could see that in this company, the fight wasn't over just yet. There was still an opportunity for a guy like Bret to make his mark. And he would do that by fighting fire with fire. He assembled his own group, a group that now stands before all of you as decorated champions in WCW. So they know what they're talking about. They seen what they wanted. They took it for themselves. And they surrounded themselves with the right people. See, that's how you do it. But there's still one little thing they need to address. Right? He's a masked man. People are probably asking, who was the masked man? Who, who was, was the guy man? under the ring? Who was the masked man? Who was the guy under the ring? Who was it? Who? Why didn't Bret Hart play fair? Who was the masked man? Well, let me ask, answer one of those questions. Bret didn't fight fair because nobody else is. And he's not going to get anywhere towing the line. But he can bend the rules a little bit. And look at him now. So as for the guy under the ring, isn't it obvious by now? Bret Hart has surrounded himself with some of the best Canadian wrestlers and the British Bulldog. So there could... <laughs> oh, I mean, you know, he's not Canadian. So there could only really be one logical person under that mask, right? And that man comes out to celebrate with the rest of Team Canada. That man comes out with his own belt as he takes the mask off. It's a current WCW Cruiserweight champion, Chris Jericho. 
Oh, nice. nice. Jericho comes out. He's celebrating with the rest of the group, and he cuts the Jericho promo that only he can cut. Jericho is finally getting a proper spotlight in the WCW, along with Benoit, who is criminally underrated in WCW, and Nightheart and Bulldog, who fucking nobody even remembers were there. <laughs> so now you've got Bret Hart as a figurehead of this stable, who have all the gold. They're the, they're the new heel faction. Because as you know, American fans, when they see anything related to Canada, they boo it because they're idiots, right? Mm-hmm. Brett knew this because it's what happened to him and the other company. So they, not only because they've been doing the, the Healy stuff, but also because they're just Canadians, the audience hate them. So they're the new heel group. Now that the NWO Black and White have dissolved, we've already set up the new heel group. It's Team Canada. And you've got your face group, the NWO Wolfpack. The NWO wanted to be faces right from the start, right? They love the cool heat. They love being the, the cool baby faces, right? Well, now they are. And they're going to fight the Canadians. What a better story than a proper American versus Canada story. That, and uh, yeah. WCW can actually you know, tell in the ring. There's one more little problem, which is Goldberg... I really kept Goldberg out of this storyline because for the most part, he was still building his streak during this Mm. storyline. So while all this is happening, he's still on the undercard building his streak. You can do whatever you want with Goldberg in the summer. If it were me, for example, what you could do, now that we know that Bret Hart and Goldberg should be in the same ring together, you could have, say, Bret Hart lose the belt to Randy Savage, who could, you know, uh, lose it to Sting, who could lose it back to Goldberg. You can kind of chain it down, you know what I mean? Instead mm. of have, instead of going straight to Brett versus Goldberg. And again, you need to build that shit up. Like, why did they just go straight to Brett Hart versus Goldberg? Yeah. You know, you need to plan this shit out. So there's options for after this. The point is, set up Bret Hart right off the bat with a little group of people. See, a lot of people would have made Bret Hart the fierce coming into this, mm. you know, because of the way he was screwed over. They thought he's going to have all the fierce heat in the world. He's going to be like super over because people want to see something good happen with him. But I'm like, I don't think they do. You think about Bret Hart's best work in WWF. It was when he was a heel in 1997. Mm. After, after the Austin thing, right? If you watch that, from that point up until he left, he was cutting these fucking brilliant like anti-American promos. Mm. So good. People say Bret Hart can't cut a promo. Fuck you guys. Listen to that shit. When he, whenever he's talking about America, he damn sure can't get a promo. Let me tell you. So I'm like, play on the strengths. Keep that working. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then build up Bret Hart as a heel. But as a proper heel, the people actually do want to, you know. Now he's all like snooty and hoity-toity and he's the champion. He thinks he's the best. <laughs> That's perfect. Yeah. Right? But no, they didn't do any of that shit. They, got him, they had him get kicked in the head by Goldberg. Anyway, that's the story. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, that was so good, man. Like, uh, I, I must, I must refer back to that, um, to the face paint and the, and the miss the 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 powder spot. Mm. That is, I have never heard of that, and that is genius. Like that, that is one of the highlights of this story for me. I love, I loved that. It's so clever. But go, going back to what you said just there as well, with Bret Hart, he should have came in as a face, but now he's heel. I think Bret being a heel makes total sense. Like he's been completely fucked over in front of the entire world mm. and by by a bunch of americans and like i mean if it was me if i was screwed over and like the whole world saw it i'd be pissed off <laughs> right. I'd, I'd be i'd be pissed off at the world there's no way i'd be mr nice guy you know he has every right to be pissed off and and those are the best heels he always have a reason to be heels you know that that that, that makes total sense 
but no man, you built that so well. Like um, Jer- Jericho and Benoit being part of Team Canada makes total sense. Two up and coming stars makes sense to include them in, in that faction. Having having um, the end being the Team Canada as heels versus the NWO's faces is interesting as well. It's a double turn. You know, you can get Hogan coming back and he can be involved to add something interesting to the equation as well. Yeah, just a uh, uh, yeah, a big 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 fan, big fan of your your rebooking there, dude. That was awesome. Ooh. I mean, you know me, I love rebooking Steelables. Yeah, and, and WCW. Fucking, have I closed every single season so far with a stable? Right to censor NWO Team Canada, yeah. So There we yeah. go, fellas. <laughs> Who's it going to be for season four? And they've, and they've been, you know, you know, they've been pretty fucking big storylines as well, you know? Yeah. Bam. I gotta say, stories. dude, that fucking... You know, sometimes when you're writing something, actually... Whenever you were, whenever I asked you about the Benoit thing, I was like, try to guess who the next guy is. Mm. I was really afraid you would actually guess Chris Jericho. So I was, after I said, I'm like, <laughs> shut this, shut this down real quick. <laughs> whatever, whatever Bryce says, move on quickly. Don't make him guess Chris Jericho because that scuppers uh, the end of it, you know. Oh, don't worry, because my dumbass guessed the Mountie. So, you know, just no, no problems there. <laughs> well, that's the thing is that I know that uh, WCW is a bit of a blind spot for you. And yeah. to be honest, you were, you were correct. I watched this shit, and I feel like an idiot. <laughs> so <laughs> you're, you're better off. Trust me. You're like you know, I know who Reno is. So you're better off not knowing this shit. Right? That's, not, that's nothing to brag about, you know. <laughs> exactly. You know, I know this stuff. You're better off staying away from this stuff, you know. But I figured that because you didn't know a whole lot about WCW, you you know, you wouldn't be able to guess a lot of these these names that are going to be in that's here. About- you know? I forgot Jericho was there. I genuinely did forget Jericho's in WCW, so you fooled me. Um, and I imagine a few of the listeners as well, so good effort, dude. That was awesome. Thank you. Now, Bryce, why don't we tell all the, the amazing, wonderful listeners out there Ooh. a little bit of a bombshell news. How about that? Mm-hmm. We give them something. The really... car crash. Yeah, let's... Bryce, <laughs> <laughs> let's sit in our convertible and drive it off the edge of a ravine, shall we? <laughs> <laughs> it's the news you've all been waiting for. Um, so it, it, it's two bits of news, basically. It's two announcements. So, yeah, the first announcement is that we are going to be taking a, a break for a short while. Not too long, but, like, I mean, I guess the thing is that with most wrestling podcasts these days, like they review content that WWE or AEW or whoever, you know, the content that they put out week after week. So their content is already there for them. Uh, with the way our show is, the content basically comes from our own brains because it's us writing these stories week after week. Dylan legitimately just wrote that Bret Hart story himself. So, and you know, we've been doing this kind of non-stop since August. So basically, we're going to be taking a short break just to refresh and you know start planning what we're going to cover in season four of Making Cafe, which will no doubt end with another stable, uh, <laughs> which will so. be, <laughs> be awesome. I'm looking forward to it. So, but yeah, we, we um. We've put a bunch of effort into pulling these episodes together for you guys. And, and the last thing we want to do is half-ass it because of mental fatigue. So, you know, when you listen to Making Kayfabe, you're getting 110% from both of us. And you're going to continue to get that on our return. You know, we owe it to you guys for the support that you show us. You're awesome. But we're not going to leave you kayfabeless. You know, we're not going to leave you devoid of kayfabe because we have some big news. And that is that we have launched a Patreon page. That's right, Making Kayfabe is now on Patreon, where we're going to be releasing exclusive episodes every month that you're not going to hear anywhere else. 
as well as some cool spin-off shows featuring the both of us and early access to our public episodes. You can find us there at patreon.com forward slash making kayfabe. And the best part is you don't even have to wait because Dylan and I have busted a gut to make sure that there are four exclusive rebookings on launch day. So if you subscribe right now, you're going to get those four exclusive Making Kayfabe rebookings with stories involving characters like Walter, Brock Lesnar, Luna Vachon, Vader, Billy Kay, Sonya Deville, Akira Tozawa and more. You'll get these episodes on your own unique podcast feed and support Making Kayfabe for as little as £5 per month or whatever that is in your local currency. All you got to do is go to patreon.com forward slash Making Kayfabe, get yourself signed up and the episodes are yours to listen to, my friends. But anyway, the date we're setting for our comeback is the 18th of May, where we're going to start releasing more rebookings for Season 4 of Making Kayfabe. And it, maybe you'll hear from us with a little book at like Russell 2 before then. Maybe we get our, our buddy Tyler back on the show. But yeah, if, if you're wondering why this podcast feed goes dead for a little while, that's the reason. We are not going fucking anywhere. You will see us back on the 18th of May. And yeah patreon.com forward slash making kayfabe to support our show and hear those exclusive rebookings folks looking forward to seeing you there that's it man we're gonna take a little break but rest assured there'll still be plenty of content from us on our patreon page so if you're still looking for a little bit of kayfabe action you want to check out the patreon page and thank you very much guys we really appreciate it and to show our a massive appreciation for all of our friends all of our listeners all of our sweethearts why don't we play a little game bryce uh-oh you want to play a little game? Would you say, let's play a little Kayfabe Tombola? I think that's a great idea! <sighs> so we're going to play a little game of Kayfabe Tombola! Hooray! Bryce, mm. favorite game of all time. Kayfabe Tombola for anybody who is new to the show. First of all, thank you for listening. Hope you enjoyed that Bret Hart thing. Lots of fun. But mm. Cave of Nebola is a little game where we put some random wrestlers, some random scenarios. I lock them behind a little wall. And to unlock that wall, Bryce has to give me a number-letter combination. I tell him what wrestler and what scenario he picked. And he has one minute to come up with a really good storyline involving that wrestler and that scenario. Simple. What Simple. could go wrong? Everything. As soon as we started this game, everything went wrong. <laughs> Nothing went right. No. <laughs> So let me tell you, Bryce, this Kayfabe Tabola has been sent in by one of our sweethearts, one of our lovely fans. This has been sent in by Ryan. His Twitter handle is at FullOnShindig. So hello, Ryan. FullOnShindig. Not a half-ass shindig. Nope. The full-on, like, straight-on, like, like driving a car over everything. (laughs) (laughs) Unstoppable. Full-on. You can't... This shindig is unstoppable. You can't half-ass it. Straight... (laughs) Anyway... (laughs) Probably not like that. Anyway, thank you for sending this in, Ryan. So Cheers, Ryan. You, you're going to have the, the pleasure of tormenting Bryce for the week. Woo-hoo. He loves it. So, Bryce, as per the game, would you like to give me a letter and number combination, please? Letter and number. Uh, let's go with what Ryan suggested. What Ryan's first pick. It's going to go 1 and A. 1 A. 1 A. Excellent mm. choices, my friend. Would you like to hear what you didn't select? Yes. Who didn't I get? Who didn't? Who haven't I got from Ryan's selections? Well, let me tell you, you didn't get. You didn't get Tucker. Oh, Tucker Knight. Yeah. Dead silent. Like Tucker. What? Who? <laughs> Had to think there. Yeah. Yeah. No. Right. 
because I was trying to like I was trying to like you know do a little segue, but I'm like, what is he hasn't done it? Now that I can do Tucker, just Tucker, good old Tucker, Mister Tucker. You didn't get him. Don't worry about Tucker. You didn't get him. You didn't get Bobby Fish. Okay, oh, he was there last week. Well, you want to? Well, let me tell you about this one that you didn't pick. You didn't pick Walter. Walter, one of our bonus episodes. I was just about to say, funny story. (laughs) Bryce actually did pick Walter for his bonus episode that's going to go live on the Patreon page. We didn't even plan this. That's legitimately nice. That's worked out very nicely. Yeah, that's that's (laughs) helping us promote our Patreon. (laughs) That's unbelievable that that worked out. But there you go. Thank you very much for that. But you didn't get Walter. You got Elias. Okay. Okay. But what's Elias going to do? That's not... That's not one of the worst ones. He can play whatever situation you give me. He can play guitar, so that's oh fine. yeah, it could it could have been way worse. God, <laughs> God knows that it could have been way worse. But let's see what the scenarios are. Well, let's see, let's see what the scenarios that you didn't get. You didn't get that he becomes the first ever main event champion. Oh my God, <laughs> main event champion. Oh my God, you imagine that as a title. <laughs> Remember we were talking about. I've made that as a gag in one of the old episodes where I said main event was gonna win the win the championship. Yeah, maybe it's from that actually. <laughs> Unbelievable! That's a callback. <laughs> there we go. More of these callbacks, please. This is yeah. phenomenal. <laughs> More callbacks to our shitty jokes. <laughs> so, so, so I guess the main event champion, you know, championship that only main event gets. Mm. Very lu- lucky, Eric Young. <laughs> you know, <laughs> <laughs> lucky Ricochet. <laughs> well, yeah, <laughs> I was like, oh yeah, Ricochet. Mm. Anyway, uh, you didn't get that. You didn't get Elias fighting over the last burger and catering. Okay. Didn't get that. <laughs> nice. Not important. You didn't get that Elias has his own little Jimmy that nobody else can see or hear. Oh, uh, right, Leroy, true. He might call him like little Elias or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. nice. You didn't get that anyway, so don't what worry about that. Well, Bryce, you're going to have one minute. To tell me and the people all about Elias and how he ends up working for the mafia. Oh. That one, like when you hear the other three, you're like, okay, fair enough. And then that one just left field out of nowhere. <laughs> so left the field. fucking mafia. What the? Oh my god, how can I work a guitar in the mafia? Uh... <laughs> I don't. I all uh, this one. I don't know if I can help you with this one. I... Walter <sighs> yeah. in the mafia. That I could do that. Elias yeah, is a big imposing dude. Elias yeah. is he's well, a big dude, but he's not imposing. Didn't get it. Alright. Ah fuck it, let's do it. Let's do it. I'm, okay. I'm gonna count you down from three and then I'm gonna press start. You're gonna have one minute to tell me and the world all about Elias and how he ends up working for the mafia. Bryce, are you ready? Yes. You, I have a start. Society <laughs> confident. Alright, here we go. Three, two, one. Go for it. Okay, Elias ends up working for the Mafia. So he gets fired as a wrestler because he can't wrestle for shit. So he's got to get some kind of a side hustle going, right? Um, but, but the problem is he joins the Mafia, but he's really starting to piss him off because all, all the guys there, they're, they're getting sick of him playing guitar. They're getting sick of him playing stupid guitar, singing annoying songs. They can't fucking stand the guy. But one day, this other guy comes into their hideout and he, he's, he's, he's a big built dude, like we said. He's got, he's got long black hair and a guitar. And basically, he looks exactly like Elias. And one of the Mafia guys is... <laughs> Like I'm seeing double here for Elias, <laughs> and they're like, 
we're, we're getting fucking sick of you, Elias, and your clone or whatever the fuck. So you gotta you gotta get on this tiny bicycle with this guy on your back and do a loop de loop to save your life. So Elias does that and and he fucks it up and then the mafia are, are, are they're about to shoot him with their guns, but like just at the right time, Elias pulls out his guitar and the gunshots they ricochet off his guitar and just kill all the mafia guys at the same time and that's the story of Elias joining the mafia. That's it. Like that was pretty much like right on the last second you finished that up sweet there you go i mean you wrapped that up in a neat little package yeah a neat I, little I, I already say, not copyrighted package uh, there, there was no outside influence in that nope. kayfabe tombola whatsoever it's entirely original. original i'll be taking no questions no well you should answer no questions yeah <laughs> you've, the question you've, was answered how do you exactly, make a nice part of the mafia exactly you've let it out all online and that's what it is is what it is you yeah. know what i mean that's your answer. Wow. I did like that. Well played. Because that's tough. And I, I tell you what, I feel like it's, I can picture it. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I can really picture it. The, the bicycle when he fucks it up. You can, you can make a cartoon out of that. I'd love to see a cartoon about that. Mm. Maybe not with Elias, though, because the WWE have that trademark. But, you know. Maybe, maybe if it was like a, like a clown or, you know. Oh, a clown would really work. Yeah. Yeah, that's a really good idea, actually. Mm. Yeah. But, you know, that's for another day. Let's not worry too much about that. Thank you very much for listening, guys. We really appreciate that. This is the end of Season 3. Like we said, there's going to be a Season 4 and beyond. We're still going to be active on our Patreon page. You want to check that out. We really appreciate the support. It's uh, it's really heartwarming, you know? Yeah. We, we do put a lot of work into this stuff. This Bret Hart one, like we mentioned earlier, and the John Cena one from last week as well. We have both been, this has been ruminating in our heads for a long time. And we're yeah. both so glad to like get it out and, and have people listen to it. So we really hope you guys enjoy it. And we're so like overwhelmed that so many people have uh, been enjoying the show so far. It really melts our icy cold hearts. We really do appreciate it. If you guys have the chance or the time to leave us a little five-star review on any of those podcast uh, applications and, and things like that. That really helps us out. It gets more eyes on the podcast, and that helps us make more stories for everybody else. Hooray! More Stevie Richards. Woo! Everybody loves it. If you want to send your own Tombola suggestions in to us, we would love to read them. You can check us out on Twitter, at MakingKFabe, or Gmail, at MakingKFabe at gmail.com. Like we said, our Patreon is going live right now, so we would love to see all you guys there. We really do appreciate it. We're going to be back very, very soon with some more wonderful season four goodness the season four <laughs> season four yeah we're four four seasons and yeah no che- cheers guys um means the world to us that you listen to making cafe we just love making the show for you guys once again as dylan says don't forget to check out the patreon there's four exclusive top quality rebookings there literally right now for as little as five pounds per month so go check him out help support making kayfabe at patreon.com forward slash making kayfabe exactly so on behalf of the making kayfabe boys that's me and bryce and vince riso i guess he doesn't know <laughs> he knows vince we asked him the show out once yeah. yeah we asked him to listen to the show i don't know if he did i can only assume he did yeah but from all of How us could he not Exactly. It's a great. We're giving him ideas, man. He's sitting mm. listening to this, going, "Oh, the Potter in the eye. Why didn't I think of that?" I'm like, "Why <laughs> didn't you think of that, you stupid fuck?" <laughs> Sorry. <Make> the- <laughs> <laughs> it's a little, a little carried away there. <laughs> Wrap it up. <laughs> we just want to say thank you very much, guys, for listening, and we will see you in the next episodes. 
So keep it sexy also, my friends. Cheers.